Welcome back to the Smoky Take Podcast, episode 62 of the only English language uh, podcast all about Brazilian football. Uh, I'm your host, Peter. And before we bring in Enric, I just want to say to you directly, Enric, happy anniversary. We're recording this August 25th, which is the first uh, a year ago. Uh, we reverse re-released the first episode of the Smoking Snake. So a year worth of brazilian football uh podcast waking up early staying up late uh doing research interviewing people and it's been absolutely awesome so we've really enjoyed it um enric uh why don't you come on in now and how are you doing and how are you feeling about the podcast uh a year in Hey, Peter. Of course, this is simply amazing. I never thought that we would be doing this for so long when we first started. I told you before, I thought maybe we can give it a try and maybe things wouldn't go as planned. But yeah, this has been truly amazing. And it's not that it's taking us much time. We are doing this mostly for fun. And then for people who want to hear us uh, about opinions for Brazilian League, uh, these people are very much appreciated. So thank you for doing that, guys. And yeah, it's been a fantastic journey to be talking to you, Peter, every week for the competitions in Brazil and South America. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Um, you know, we do do it for fun and we do probably would do it even if we had one listener just because we love we love uh, the rest of the row and Brazilian teams. But it is definitely exponentially more enjoyable when we've got, you know, uh, thousands of listens and 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 we're interacting with people so once again thanks everyone for year one and hopefully many many more years to come uh but uh enough of all the sappy shit let's get into uh, the action um huge week obviously copa sudamericana and copa libertadores midweek games um so that's always fun. But let's start, as we always do, with the Brasileirao. It's week 20, uh, and we just passed the halfway mark. Um, lots of places to be still decided. Um, the relegation fight is really interesting. And apart from Botafogo, uh, I I really don't think anyone can really guess where each team is going to end up in the table. But uh, since I just mentioned them, let's go ahead and start with Sao Paulo versus Botafogo. Sao Paulo, back of the Murumbi. Uh, the place was rocking. I don't know if our pal Mauricio Destri was there, but um, if he was, he would have had a great time. The place was absolutely uh, um, was rocking, uh, but no goals in this one, nil-nil. Yeah, and what a performance this was by both teams. Of course, it's match week 20. So this goes back to what happened in match week one in the Brasileirao, in which Sao Paulo thought that they were getting uh, a point out of that game in Rio de Janeiro, but they didn't. Uh, I think Chiquinho Suarez got a last minute goal 2-1. And then in here, Sao Paulo, with all the reinforcements that they've been able to get this summer, they thought that maybe they can push for the win. And they did so. They attacked... Uh, 
to be able to score for in many occasions. And I think the goalkeeper for Botafogo was crucial in this match. Uh, Lucas Perry deserved man of the match performance. And that's why we saw two disallowed goals for Sao Paulo because they weren't much able to do anything in that game other than keeping a clean sheet. Yeah, Lucas Perry was great uh, right from the get-go. He was absolutely on top of his game. Um, it's really too bad. I mean, these two teams, we've seen how good they can be recently, uh, but just no goals here. Um, Botafogo, again, we'll get to this later in the Copa Sudamericana, but this game was crying out for a player of Chiquinho Suarez's ca- uh, um, capabilities and quality. Um, Janderson started at striker, just didn't really do it. Uh, Diego Costa, new signing, was on the bench, came in late in the match. Uh, he couldn't find a goal either. And then on the other side, James Rodriguez uh, made his first start and um, unfortunately couldn't have an impact on the game either, was subbed off. Um, and yeah, just two teams I think that uh, we've seen a lot better from, but both, again, playing midweek in Copa Sudamericana. Um, Luciano had those two goals, but both offside. Um, and Botafogo, um, not really creating that much. So a little bit worrying for them. Uh, they don't have that focal point in Chiquinho uh, for at least a few more weeks now. So, um, but they do have that nice, very nice 11 point gap, um, which is coming in handy here uh, as they wait for Chiquinho, their main man to come back. Um, all right. So nil, nil in the first game. Uh, four goals in the second Fluminense in America going head to head flew the early uh, uh, conceding of the goal to America. Very surprising, uh, but they came back in the second half storming back um, and uh, they could have had a few more as well. Uh, took over with a big win, three goals uh, to one. Uh, Enric, any thoughts on this one? Pretty straightforward and you, you really expect Fluminense to uh, to roll over America. Yeah, and you expect them to even get the job done in the first half. I thought that the first half would have looked much different in favor of the home side, but 0-0 it ended, and then as soon as that second started, uh, America somehow got uh, a goal, and I think I tweeted to Brasileirao uh, play in Twitter saying that the last time that both teams have scored against each other in the same match went back to 2011. So if that stat continues to happen after 10 matches they have played for the last 12 years, this means that America could be getting a winner here if there's no Fluminense goals. And then right after I tweeted that, John Kennedy won one, and then the goals started rolling. 2-1 Fluminense, 3-1, and they do what they do best, score goals against, I would say, a weak side. Not for the fact that America's weak, they've proven to be very strong because they find themselves in Copa Sudamericana uh, quarterfinals, and they played in the Campeonato Mineiro in the final against Atletico Mineiro. So I don't know what went wrong with them. I expected them to be much better in this season, but they haven't, and that's why they dropped points in the way they did here against Luminense. Yeah, America sucking in the league should not be a surprise at this point. Four losses in a row. They're bottom of the table. I think they're um I think they've been pretty much guaranteed to get relegated, but we'll see if they can they can uh get a great escape going. But um this result certainly didn't help. Fluminense on the other side, very nice result back in the top four. And uh they had a pretty decent start to the season. Uh they 
kind of had some bumpy roads there for a little bit. Uh, they'll be hoping to get back uh, to a little bit more consistency uh, as they uh, are back in the top four now. Uh, Cuiaba losing to Palmeiras. Again, this result, never really in doubt. Cuiaba, two losses in a row now, so maybe they might be coming back down to earth. Uh, they were hot for a while, but uh, no longer. Uh, Rafael Vega getting one of the goals. He had a bit of criticism, I think, from Palmeiras fans and fans of the national team as well after he got that call up. Uh, but he silencing them uh, here in this game. Uh, great goal. And Richard Rios, the Colombian, um, coming in from, from Guarani. We've, we've mentioned his name a bunch this year. Really nice player. Um, and one of those players that we've seen some other signings, uh, the trio from Aguasanta to Santos, um, and Christian Barletta um, from Sao Bernardo to Corinthians, not really work out. Those players had great poly styles, but hasn't really worked out for them uh, in the rest of the row. Uh, Richard Rios is the opposite. He's been absolutely great for Palmeiras, and he gets a goal as well. Um, so another pretty pretty comprehensive win there. Uh, Enric, anything to add? Yeah, this was a nice job done by Palmeiras, as they did in the first round when they played in Allianz Park. I think they won 4-5-1 or five, one against this team. And now to be able to do that away from home against the Cuiaba side that had just come from a five-win streak, now they're starting to lose games. They did it last week against Atlético Paranaense, and then now against Palmeiras. And I think it's the same scoreline, 2-0. So that just tells you that this team got the results in the last couple of matches, but now it's time for them to get down the table because when you really look at it in more detail, to see Cuiaba in ninth place after match week 20 is very weird and there's much better teams historically and with the players they have in the likes of Sao Paulo, Atletico Mineiro, Cruzeiro, Corinthians, Internacional, and Santos. So yeah, I think Cuiaba have gone way too high in the table and this is going to end soon as we have seen in the last two weeks. All right. Uh, moving on, Cruzeiro won, Corinthians won. Uh, this was a fascinating game. Um, Cruzeiro not doing the best. Um, no wins in their last five going into this. After this draw, no wins in the last six. Um, and Corinthians kind of, after the dreadful start, trying to drag themselves back into the middle of the table. Uh, they'll take the point here and they'll take it after a really last minute goal, but Cruzeiro all over them, uh, much better. The team, um, uh, 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 Vanderlei Luxemburgo had to rotate his team. Of course they, um, they're playing midweek, um, and Cruzeiro just running them off the pitch in the first half, uh, getting a very nice late goal. Uh, Arthur Gomez, former Santos man, Wesley, Bruno Rodriguez, and then Rafael Elias uh, finished off. They hit a crossbar late, late, late as well, uh, but couldn't find that second goal to kill it. Um, and then a little bit of controversy here in injury time, well after the uh, the allotted added time, um, Moscardo, a name that's been getting a lot, a lot of of press online. Seventeen year old uh, strips Gilberto of the ball, charges, starts a counterattack on the um, going the other way, and then right at the last kick of the game, Gustavo Silva uh, slots in uh, a, a very nice goal from the cross uh, to give them the draw. 
Cruzeiro fans, obviously very, very upset. They were much the better team. And, and just the circumstances of that last goal really, really, really rubbed them the wrong way. Um, but in the end, they'll have to split the points. Uh, one other note, one of the best defenders uh, in recent memory in the Brasilia Rao, Lucas Verissimo, is back uh, his first game for Corinthians. Um, so, yeah, so sorry for the spiel, but uh, Enric, uh, what are your thoughts on here? And I don't know if you caught the ending of the game, but uh, do you think that Cruzeiro kind of had a point in uh, in all their arguments and um, rage about the way this game ended? I think in the first round of matches, this was the first match week again, and Cruzeiro scored a goal in Sao Paulo Stadium or in Corinthians Stadium. So I thought that now playing at home, they're going to have a chance to not only get a draw, but maybe a win. And they did so. They scored with Rafael Elias in the 45th. And it seems like, as you said, the game was going in their favor and it could have easily been 2-0. And somehow Corinthians finds their way up and they score that last minute equalizer with Gustavo Silva. And yeah, I don't know what to say about the extra time. I think it's cool because I saw a stat about Premier League last year. The average minutes uh, in every game was 54. So there's actually 26 minutes without playing. Yeah, I like the idea of getting as much extra minute as possible because why is a goalkeeper or any other player wasting time when they should really play unless they're getting a yellow card for it so that's why we normally see a lot of goals scored in the extra time not only in the Serie A but Serie B as well if you go and watch the scores of uh, this round or last round or the one before you would always see maybe in three or four games there's at least one extra time goal scored and I like that and it's something that we also saw during the World Cup. So uh, I wasn't happy about the equalizer for Corinthians because, of course, I wanted them to lose. But then looking at what happened after the game with the uh, Corinthians fans who died, which was very tragic news, I'm glad that at least they got to see that one last goal and something to be happy about before their death. So, again, they get one point each, and I think it's not going to hurt either team. So at yeah. the end of the day, they're going to be happy with it. Yeah, the tragic bus accident um, for some of the Corinthians fans, really, really tragic. Um, and uh, obviously we're praying for them and all their families. Um, just nothing, nothing really to say about that. It's, it's, it's hard to find the words and, and um, yeah, we can only give our, our, our best wishes and, and prayers to them. Um, all right. So Vasco da Gama continue to be, well, better. Uh, their last three games, no losses, two wins and a draw. That is, um, including this game, uh, one nil over Atletico Monero, uh, playing this one at the Maracanã, um, wearing white again as the home team. Um, so all they're just ticking all the boxes, all their superstitions here. And uh, Vajetti as well started, but it was Serginho, another one of their new signings, slotting home an early goal. Um, and, and it turns out to be the, the only goal of the game and gives them the win, uh, noting here, just really interesting. Cause it comes back when Fluminense play Olympia, uh, Enric, did you see how muddy and torn up the pitch was? This was getting a lot of criticism on social media. Uh, any thoughts on the match and then, and the pitch too, um, as you know, Fluminense looked fans and Olympia fans looked for pretty much any excuse to, uh, 
to give their team an edge. Serginho Macedonia, the guy that you talked about, Peter, a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> you mentioned, and I didn't even know that he played in uh, Macedonia, Albania, Kosovo. So, yeah, it's cool to see that he got in the score sheet. And honestly, after five minutes in, I thought that either Vasco would score a second because they looked very good attacking and they did not seem like a team that had been struggling in the first 19 matches of Brasilia Rao. And I also thought that maybe even Atletico Mineiro would get an equalizer, but none of those happened. Uh, both teams settled with that 1-0 uh, goal scored in the fifth minute, which is very weird. But yeah, I'm glad to see Vasco win. And what you said about the pitch was perfect. I think it did not look good. And also the rain in Maracanã was so horrible that it did not allow even the players to move freely. It was one quick counter attack by Vasco in the dying minutes. And you could see the player running. I can't remember who, but he was trying to push the ball. And instead of passing it on the ground and running, he was pushing it up in the air so that he can go more freely and without rolling. So that just tells you that even the players and referees, everybody's struggling. It really impacts the outcome of the game. Maybe in another day, Atletico Mineiro could have taking a win here, even if they play the America now still. But yeah, they're very unlucky to lose the game here. And congratulations to Vasco getting the three points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Vasco, I think, you know, they'll the, especially since they scored so early, they'll take that muddy pitch all day long, just kill the game like that, but doesn't make for great viewing. Or And I'm pretty sure it's pretty miserable to uh, to play through as well. So um but credit to them. I love that that front three, Vegetti, Gabriel Peck, um, and Serginho now um, that has become a staple for Vasco. So let's hope we both, I think, have a, a, an affinity for them and we hope they avoid relegation. So let's hope they keep uh, keep on getting wins. And speaking of wins, what a win this was. Enric, hopefully you upload this to YouTube so people can see my smile because we needed this. Santos 2, Gremio 1. A last-minute goal in the spirit of Pelé. I've been loving the memes, and I love this match. Um, and go ahead first and tell me your thoughts on this one. Well, what an unexpected game, Peter. I never thought that Santos could even get a draw. Maybe a draw, yes, because we're playing in Villa Belmiro, but a win here, simply unbelievable. Looking at the first half, we looked good, but then as soon as that second half started, Grêmio get a goal with your favorite player, Cristaldo, 50 seconds in. And I thought it was pretty much game over. I was standing here watching the game in my room. And honestly, I think I almost fell asleep. And when that goal by Marcos Leonardo was scored in the 63rd, I woke up sort of not knowing where I was or what was happening. And I see Marcos Leonardo celebrating. At that point, I sort of woke up. And I watched the game even more because now I thought, okay, we get the equalizer. Maybe we have a chance to win it all. And yeah, what a game this was. I think the fans played um, a very big role into the three points. And I think we deserved it. We were the better side. And you look at the game that we played against Grêmio in the first round in which we lost 1-0 away from home. We looked good in that match as well. So now we have a chance to play in front of our fans since one or two months ago and yeah it's a very great result and it's gonna really help Santos uh go up in the table as we have talked about in the last weeks 
Yeah. And not only did Cristaldo, of course, who's our, a podcast favorite, um, uh, but Ferreira almost scored uh, very soon after that. I think he hit um, either blasted it wide or uh, hit a post. Um, so it easily could have gone the other way, but it didn't. And I just want to talk about the 62nd minute. Diego Gregori, um brings on two subs, Soteldo and Rincon. In addition to the fans coming back, Soteldo is back. Uh, we talked about his falling out with Paulo Tura and, and, and the coach, obviously, before that. Um, but he's back, reintegrated into the squad, and his first touch was that assist to Marcos Leonardo. Uh, he would assist on the other one. And, wow, that second goal was, I mean, I, I would just, I was happy with the draw. Gramio, obviously, pushing for that top four, trying to get back up into that second place where they were before. Uh, they've been dropping the ball lately um, and they dropped the ball here as well. You got to play to the whistle, got to play to the whistle. And when that ball got cleared and took that fortuitous bounce uh, that it hit the line and kind of, but it just didn't go out. Um, and, and actually Hanato Gaucho saw the same thing and he, his hands and saying that, you know, the ball's still in play was what inspired and, and, and had the Santos players keep running. Um, and then just like that, just a lethal counterattack, Mendoza to Soteldo to Julio Ferk, his first goal for the Argentine. Um, and the place goes bananas. It was so nice to see the, the fans still there um, back in the, in the stadium since that game against Corinthians. It's, it's been so long and it's been awesome to see. So uh, just a lightning counterattack. Um, and Gremio never really stood a chance after that. Um, it, it was just an incredible sight to see. Yeah, and it's funny to say that because uh, the goals compared to each other, not only for the way they were scored, but also who got involved. You look at the first goal that Santos scored, and you see Soteldo and Marcos Leonardo, two players that have been in the squad in the last couple of years. And then the second goal is pretty much players that maybe not Marcos Leonardo expected to leave for Europe, but players that, who are expected to continue playing here in the future in the likes of Soteldo and also Mendoza and Forge. So hopefully we see as many goals from them as possible. Mendoza seems to be like a very good winger, and that's exactly what he did there, catching the ball fast and get, uh, getting Gremio in counterattack. And with one defender left, uh, I think the chances of scoring were, were pretty high. Maybe a disallowed goal due to an offside could have been an issue, but it did not seem like that was the case. And even today, I watched the Bastidores on YouTube, and the atmosphere for the fans looked very amazing and if our fans continue to do that regardless of what our club does either win or lose or even draw games i think this is going to play a very big role into winning against bigger opponents in like so Palmeiras, corinthians and so on yeah absolutely absolutely it was great to see and let's hope for money many more games exactly like that um all right Curitiba and flamengo also a late night, or excuse me, not a late night, a late game goal. Gerson this time with a rocket to win. Uh, didn't watch this one, but I watched the highlights. Um, not sure how Kurochiba were were keeping pace with Flamengo, but in the end, Flamengo pull up all three points. Um, 
Enric, any thoughts on this one um, before we accelerate and uh, through the rest of these, talk the table and get to the action in midweek? Well, this is typically what we've seen from Flamengo in this season. Great team. They're able to score goals, but remember that they can concede as well. And to concede two goals against a Chiba side in which many teams are expected to win here. Yeah, it was very weird. And at the end, they were able to get the three points uh, thanks to a penalty kick first by Gabriel Barbosa and then two goals, uh, one by Derascaeta and Hurston, as you said. So... Flamengo takes the three points. They struggle for it, but at least they get the job done. So it's going to help them out in the domestic league for sure. Yep. And uh, this one, I think, was even more surprising than this. Bahia hosting Red Bull Bragoncino and blowing them out of the water. Uh, Bahia for Red Bull Braga nil. Uncharacteristically bad from Red Bull Bragoncino. After the first goal, they responded well. I thought they were in the game, but... This one, I think it's just one of those fluke results. They had a bad game and they got they, they got slapped. Um, the Fanchinova as well, the, the stadium Bahia play in, I believe it was built for the World Cup. Um what looked incredible. The, the environment there was 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 really exciting and intimidating. Um, but they hand uh, a, a pretty big defeat and Red Bull Bragancino's only their fourth defeat of the season. So uh, I expect them to bounce back, but just kind of a, a weird one-off result there. If you want, uh, Enric, I don't know if you have a thought on, on that one. Yeah, this is a very weird game. You see the 4-0 and the only thing that comes to mind is Rebel Bragantino 4, Flamengo 0. So yes. a Rebel to concede 4 to Bahia is very weird. And this is just simply Brasileiro at its best. For example, Bahia beats Rebel Bragantino 4-0. Rebel Bragantino beats Flamengo 4-0. Flamengo beats Santos 3-2. And Santos beats Bahia 3-0. So it's like a circle. And <laughs> team is beating the other and, and so on. So you don't even know who the best team is. And that's the perfect way to describe Brasileirao. Everything that's unexpected to happen happens. And I think it's cool. Nobody expected Red Bull honestly, to even not score a goal, even if the game ended 0-0, this would have been very weird to me. And to lose 4-0, the best I can do is just laugh. So maybe <laughs> keep going and talk about the next game. Yeah. All right. Well, that next game, Goyas and Atharico Paranaense, um, 1-1 uh, draw. Uh, really the only note here, Victor Roque, his ninth of the breast of the route, 18th of the year. Uh, really nice goal on the cut-in. Um, and then Internacional to wrap up the uh, the, the Brasileiro match week, uh, losing to Fortaleza. Um, they were the host, but of course they had the big match, which we'll get to momentarily against Bolivar away, rotated side, and Checo Gallardo uh, from the penalty spot makes it 1-0 to Fortaleza, and they'll take all three points back um, to Fortaleza. So uh, any comments on those or any comments on the table as it sits now? Botafogo, 11 points clear. Yeah, first of all, Goyas, I expected them to get a result of this game because they had been really good when playing at home in Brasileiro this season. Of course, next week they're going to be playing Corinthians, but going back mm -hmm. to that second 
round of games, they were able to get the three points in the stadium against those rivals. They also beat Botafogo here. They almost beat, uh, who was it, Gremio not too long ago when we were at the game for the Sevilla Crystal Palace. And yeah, they pretty much do the same here despite Vitoroka getting a goal. They equalize 1-1, so they don't even let Atletico Paranaense take the three points. And then Internacional Fortaleza, another weird result. I did not expect Inter to lose here, especially after their qualifications in Libertadores after beating a River Plate in penalties. So yeah, Fortaleza gets the one and only goal in the first 20 minutes of the game due to a penalty kick, and they take three points. And then looking at the table, Botafogo, the team that has been mostly on fire recently they still are doing good with 48 points in the first place but if Gremio took advantage of their last four matches better than they did the two games that they lost of course one of them to Santos and then the other draw they would have now been I believe four points behind Botafogo of course again they have a match in hand so that just tells you that things can turn around quickly and Botafogo on the other side does not look like the same team that they played when they had Chiquinho Suarez. And yeah, I don't think they're going to be strong enough. They have Diego Costa, who recently arrived, but things are not going to look good unless Chiquinho comes back. And then scrolling down all the way to the number 17, Santos getting the win. We still have 21 points. And if Bahia did not win against Rebel Bragantino, we would have been ahead of them and see Bahia in the relegation zone. But again, I'm very happy here because... Uh, in the next matches, we have the opportunity for any good result we get to jump up the table. So that's exactly what I like to see from our team. Yeah, for sure. And and, and like you said, still in 17th place, but right on the bubble, uh, hopefully getting out soon. Noticing here too, um, 32, 32 goals conceded, third worst in the league. Um, that's, that's something that's really got to change. Um, you know, it, even conceding more than Vasco. So um, something that's really got to change and, and we need some rigidity back there. Um, uh, the only other thing here, I, I'm noticing Internacional as well, 14th place, they're really slipping. Um, and I, I'm just wondering if their their campaign, Copa uh, Libertadores, uh, might have a negative impact on, on them. And I'm wondering how far they can go. Um, but uh, that will be interesting. And again, just absolute chaos in the middle of the table. Uh, can't wait to see how uh, how this Brescia is going to shake out. And like you said earlier, um, predictability is one thing that you can say the Brescia does not have right now. And it's just it's just the most uh, wonderful thing in the world. Um, all right, Enric. Uh, Brazil, let's wrap it up. We wrapped it up. Uh, Copa Libertadores now. Uh, the fixtures are in. Um, Bolivar, nil. Internacional won. They really did it. I was not expecting this at all. Inter getting the goal uh, away from home in La Paz, way, way high up in the sky. Enric, you and I were with our good friend Seppe from uh, Bolivar News. We did a live stream with him last Monday. I believe you can watch the recording of that. And I think I was, maybe more than you, uh, a little bit too optimistic about Bolivar getting a result here. Um, I thought that they would really do something and I think they were the better team. Uh, but scoreboard international 
going home with uh, with the win here. Yeah, I did not have the chance to watch this game live, but again, very unexpected to see Internacional score a goal against Bolivar. And who was there to do it? The Colombian, I believe. Uh, or no, Ecuadorian, Ener Valencia. So really glad to see him in the score sheet. He helps his team, Internacional. And uh, I did not expect this because I thought that maybe Bolivar would have taken the the win here and then play defending as they did against Atarago Paranaense. But then you look at Bolivar's stats against Brazil teams in this Libertadores and every game they have played home um, in the likes of Inter and also Atarago Paranaense and Palmeiras and the last two which they won, both or all of these three games, they have conceded the first goal. So Again, Palmeiras scored the first goal. Again, Bolivar was able to get the win there. And then Atletico Parnanza scored first, I believe, with Vitor Roque. And Bolivar won 3-1 at home. So once again, this happened here. But now, this time, they are unable to get the win. So it's going to be very difficult for them and for our friend Bolivar News to get to the next stage. Because, yeah, it's going to be like how Internacional played against River Plate they're expected to not play any less to to a Bolivar side that is probably less competitive when it comes to tournaments like these. Yeah, you said a lot, but I, I think I agree with just about everything. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's just, it's crazy. You, you, you said you mentioned some of the stats. I want to go over uh, a few more of them. Um, and don't worry, I'm not going to pull out my stat sheet that I had for the, the live stream, but... Internacional historically don't do well at altitude and, and against Bolivian teams. But um, looking at some of these stats, I mean, Bolivar, uh, the stats may even flatter Bolivar a little bit, um, a little bit concerning. I mean, you, you see 23 shots, only five of them on target. Uh, you kind of see three big chances missed. Bolivar had this one in the bag and they just couldn't do it. In fact, even early, Sergio Roche had a great uh, one-handed early save um, that that prevented Bolivar from going up. Um, and minutes later, I think six minutes later, five minutes later, something like that, Ener Valencia scores that really, really nice goal. Such a tidy finish and emphatic as well. Um, yeah, really nice goal, very uh, satisfying. And Alan Patricki is uh, Menino del Villa, um, of course, assisting. Uh, but Bolivar, yeah, I just expected more. Even just the XG. Uh, looking at the expected goals, uh, 0.14 uh, for all the chances of Inter and about a goal and a half for uh, for Bolivar. So it's really unfortunate. Uh, Ronnie Fernandez hit the post as well. Um, but uh, Bolivar, I think, uh, could have and maybe even should have won this. My question to you, Enric, uh, before we move on, is Bolivar notorious? Of course, La Paz is a, a fortress. They're notorious for beating, uh, being the underdog and beating teams at their home. Uh, can they do it in Brazil? Can they come back and can they win? Absolutely not. I'm sorry for oh, the people man. wanting Internacional to maybe lose or Bolivar to win, but they simply have no chance. Internacional beat River Plate at home, which I did not th- think it would happen. 2-1, they reversed the score. They almost qualified 2-0 um, if it wasn't about the River Plate last minute goal i believe to send the game to penalty kicks but yeah they pretty have no chances and i expect the international fans to be the same way how santos fans did against gremio so 
again, Bolivar, I'm sorry, but it's game over. If you needed to get the job done, it should have been in Bolivia and not in Brazil. <laughs> All right. Bold, bold, bold. I think they can do it, but I think it's going to be a great game. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised either way. Um, all right. Speaking of not surprising, uh, Deportivo Pereira, the Colombian side, uh, a minnow in the grand scheme of things. And, and really even in, uh, in Colombia, not one of the well-known sides like, uh, like, you know, junior or, or Atletico Nacional, um, or even Millonarios, right. From Bogota, um, they just get blown away here. Um, hosting Palmeiras, um, I don't think this one was ever in doubt. Rafael Vega, Marcus Rocha, Maiki, and Honi all getting the goals here. Your boy, Roni, getting the goal. Didn't watch this one, um, so I'm not sure if he did the handspring celebration. But, uh, Enric, were you expecting anything other than this result? Well, maybe not four goals, but I expected Palmeiras to win by at least two. And they struggled to get that first goal. It came from a penalty kick by Rafael Vega, who finally scored. It wasn't like that penalty that he shot against Botafogo and then missed. So after that, they just needed 11 minutes to make the scoreline from 1-0 to 3-0. And that's exactly what you expect from Palmeiras' team. Of course, they haven't been good in in many competitions this season, but whenever they're ready and they have their players fit and their main strikers there, starters there, they get the results and nothing less was expected out of this game. So they don't even need to play the second uh, leg. Even if they play with subs or with Copinho players, I'm pretty sure that they can beat this Deportivo Pereira side. So yeah, Palmeiras is pretty much through to the final. Ronnie, by the way, I'm happy he got a goal again. I really like him as a player, as you guys know. And, of course, he did the handspring celebration at the end, which was typical Ronnie and something that I love seeing after his goal. All right. So uh, in the all-Argentine uh, clash, Boca and Racing uh, finished nil-nil. Um, and in the last uh, quarterfinal of the Copa Libertadores, Fluminense hosting Olympia in that Muddy, muddy Maracana. Uh, but tell you what, the pitch looked like shit, but the crowd looked incredible. Um, great environment there. Um, it does kind of bug me, Enric. I don't know about you. They have some sections roped off. I'm sure there's a a, a reason for this, but um, some angles looking at re, uh, replays and stuff, it annoys me. Uh, I think especially on Kano's goal, there's a section kind of opposite. Uh, the end he scored that was wide open and it just looks like there's just not that many fans, but you pan around the, uh, the stadium. And of course it's just absolutely live in there. Uh, but uh, again, not a surprising result, especially when you look at um, the fact that, you know, they're playing in Brazil, Fluminense two Olympia nil um, Andre celebrating his uh, Olympic qualification call. Uh, with a great goal and Herman Cano back on the score sheet as well. Um, Enric, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, you mentioned Andre and you said Olympic qualifications against Olympia, something similar <laughs> here. So that's great to see him get the goal. And yeah, what a goal that was because it seemed like Fluminense were going to be able to win maybe two or three nil in the first half the attacks that they're making i tweeted about the olympia goalkeeper in 20th minute he saved the ball and instead of running for the play he just stood up 
standing there was something that you see goalkeepers or players doing in the 95th minute, not in the 20th minute. I said, if this is the way how uh, the goalkeeper is going to play and even the Olympia team overall, then imagine what the scoreline would look at the end. And exactly, maybe Fluminense didn't get many goals and they got only two, but still it was an incredible win and something that Flamengo failed to do at Maracanã. They only scored one in the second half and that gave Olympia hope to get a win and qualify after the match in Paraguay. So once again, the Andre goal was cool. It's funny how the the shot that he took got deflected by an Olympia defender and the goalkeeper seemed like he was going into another direction and the ball went in. And then, of course, we have to mention Herman Cano. This guy, maybe he's not doing it in the Brasilia, but when it comes to a major tournament that, of course, Fluminense would love to win for the first time, he's been impressive. He's really helped the team whenever he was able to. And what a goal he scored in the 59th to give the second goal to Fluminense. So, yeah, this was an incredible game. And I've, I don't know if I've said it before. I expect a Palmeiras-Fluminense final for this Libertadores because I see no other team stopping Palmeiras. And I see I don't see Internacional as a rival for Fluminense to stop and reach the final. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't really argue with those predictions. I think they're probably the strongest too. Uh, Boca are, are very plucky as well though. So you can never count them out. Uh, they can, they can grind out a one nil on aggregate win against any club in the world. And, and, you know, that's just, uh, kind of their MO. Um, so you've always got to watch out for them. Um, yeah, I just, I want to reiterate here. Olympia did not look good. Uh, they did not, look like the team that beat Flamengo in, in, um, in Paraguay, uh, a week or two ago. Um, they offered very little. I don't even think they had a shot on goal. So, um, not surprising here that, uh, the Fluminense get the win, uh, two goals. I wonder if they should have had a few more. Um, but, uh, they'll have to go to Paraguay. I think, uh, Olympia, are, um, in the capital, uh, capital, um, and uh, they'll have to close it out, which we saw Flamengo had some issues with. So, um, Enric, I think I kind of heard your answer, but uh, any chance for Olympia? No chances. No Maybe chances. they get a okay. goal, but they won't be able to score two against Fluminense. All right. There you have it. All right. So, Copa Sudamericana now, of course, always um, in tandem with Libertadores. Uh, let's start off with Corinthians. They host Estudiantes. Estudiantes, no slouches whatsoever. Uh, but Corinthians getting the win here, just one goal at home. Um, and it's Jill coming through for them. So, Enric, multi-layered question here. One, should they have gotten more from this game? And two, are you concerned about the way leg? You know, what do you think... Are there chances of progressing here? Well, of course, Corinthians playing home, they're expected to score more goals. But is this really different to what we have seen from Corinthians in the past? They won 1-0 in the 78th minute to Universitario of Peru. And then they went to Peru 1-2-1 there. Last round, they won 1-0, I believe. Or no, it was yeah, it was 2-1 at home against Newell's. And then tied 0-0. So again, here, one goal difference. I expected to 
end up either 0-0 or 1-1 in Argentina. And uh, Estudiantes is a great team because no easy club finishes and reaches the quarterfinals of Sudamericana. But I hope that Corinthians reaches the next round. And yeah, I see Corinthians pretty much qualified for the next game. All right. I'm a little less optimistic. I, I think they can get in their own way sometimes. And I really think Roger Gads is is going to be missed. So uh, we'll have to watch that. And I think that's going to be a really exciting uh, second leg with Estudiantes pressing, pressing, pressing. And Corinthians may have to score a few just to keep up. Um, all right. Let's move on to Botafogo. Again, a game that I think I wish Botafogo would have gotten a little bit more out of this one. Uh, they finish one all with Defensa y Justicia. Um, I thought Defensa was not up to the the challenge of Botafogo. Botafogo ran them off the pitch. But again, like the game we talked about earlier against Sao Paulo, they were missing Chiquinho Suarez a lot. This game was crying out for uh, a focal point and a striker that can just put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah, I I watched this game live and I thought that Botafogo, if they need to qualify, they need to score at least two goals at home. And they didn't do that in the first half. And even the second, it took them almost 11 minutes to get that first goal, which maybe people thought that this game would end 0-0. Defensa, by the way, looks very good. I am optimistic of them winning this competition because of I've seen how they performed in Continental Cups like they did here, but also in the Argentinian League, they seem like one of the best teams in Argentina, and it just goes back to that season in which Santos reached the Libertadores final. Defensa was in a group with Santos, they finished third, they went to the Sudamericana, and they won that competition, so they're a team that you can't really neglect, and as we said before, Botafogo without Chiquinho is much different than I think this is the end of Botafogo's story in this Copa Sudamericana. If they needed to do a better job, even if they had won 2-1 here, I still would have thought that it would have been difficult for them to reach the next stage. So not being able to win it at all, um, yeah, it's very bad. And you look at the goal the defense has scored. Um, Gatito Fernandez does not make a great save out of the out of the ball that shot very uh, and then the rebound, the Botafogo player somehow sends the ball back to the, the guy who originally shot it. And yeah, the defense are profits from this mistake and they get the equalizer. So I think this is a very bad result for Botafogo and it's game over for them in this competition. Oh my God. You're I know you're... I'm giving some predictions here, but I'm just saying something that I'm confident with and I see no way of escaping the what's coming and what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I love the bold predictions, and I love how, uh, you know, confident in in them. You're not you're not half-assing your answers at all. You're saying this is the way it's going to be, and and that's great. Uh, it's great when you're right, and it's tough when you're wrong. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I you know I was a little bit less impressed. I'm surprised with Defensa y Justicia. Um, of course, Defensa have a great pedigree in this competition. They've had some great players and great managers over the year, and they've won the trophy, right? But I was less impressed. Um, I kind of forgot Lucas Prato uh, is uh, is is playing for um, for Defensa, of course, uh, longtime striker for uh, for River Plate. But uh, yeah, and and that second goal, you know, I thought it was more bad luck from Victor Cuesta that uh, 
uh, the, the ball bounced right to the defensive player. Um, also, Mateus Nascimento really made an impression. He was lively. He had some really great chances. But again, he just didn't have a finish on him. And he's one of those players, I think, like Marcus Leonardo, that uh, was really highly rated and still is, of course, um, but got overshadowed and almost forgotten um, by uh, a lot of people in Brazil and, and, and elsewhere, of course, abroad uh, after the emergence of Andriki and, and Vitor Roque. Uh, of course, Marcus Leonardo coming back to the um, to the front of mind, of course, with all the transfer rumors. Uh, but Mateus Nascimento... Very young, very exciting, and very talented. And I think he's going to have a bright future, whether it's in uh, in Rio or, or across the pond in Europe somewhere. So um, just needs a little bit of polish on game. And, Enric, I'm going to totally disagree with you. I think Botafogo get through. I think it'll be a little bit challenging. Uh, but I think they will get through. And I just want to remind you, when Santos went to defensa, it was a tough match, uh, tough game. But in the end, Kyle... George uh, came out with a great goal uh, that gave us the win. Just a group stage game, but uh, also in, uh, I think, Copa Sudamericana. It could have been Libertadores, actually. I think it was Libertadores. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so so that's going to be another incredibly interesting and exciting um, second leg. All right. This one, America Monero versus Fortaleza. Enric, you said these teams, you don't get to the quarterfinals in Copa Sudamericana, unless you're a strong team, uh, America, I don't think they're, they're so strong. I think they've been riding their luck. I don't know how they've gotten to this place, but Fortaleza finally putting them in their place. Three, uh, one, the final score in favor of uh, Fortaleza. Um, just the consolation goal from Mastriani in the 70th um, America. They were at home. Of course, they're going to have to go to the Castellau uh, never a fun place to play. Um, I think they're going to get slapped, and I think Fortaleza are going to go through uh, on a cakewalk, uh, 4-0 win, so 7-1 on aggregate, uh, just to rub it in. What are your thoughts? I like it. <laughs> now you're making bold predictions, so yeah. it's cool. And originally, I thought that America would maybe score a goal or two before Fortaleza and get somehow the result at home. It wasn't the case. Fortaleza 3, America nil in the first half. And yeah, that's pretty much the story of this game. And as you said, Fortaleza is pretty much qualified and uh, they'll be able to reach the semifinals of this competition. Yeah, which would be incredible for them. I think they've been wanting to make a deep run to really solidify themselves as a strong Brazilian team. Um, and this will certainly do that. And they wouldn't mind uh, capturing a Sudamericana. All right. Last fixture and one of the most eyebrow raising uh, fixtures, especially when I saw uh, some messages that I'll go into right now. So Liga de Quito hosting Sao Paulo, never easy to play in Quito. I know the Ecuadorians, the Bolivians never want to hear about the altitude because that's all anyone ever talks about, but it is hard to play there. Um, but Liga de Quito getting the win 2-1. Um, and I want to just start here by saying, you know, I was at dinner uh, with my family um, and my phone lit up from a text from our former guest, Martin Benitez. We had him on last year to talk about Independiente de Valle. Um, and he said, Johan Julio, masterclass. And boy, was this game ever. 
Johan Julio, of course, being the striker brought into Santos by Fabian Bustos, um, which seems like eons ago, but was really only last year, I think. Um, not a great player for Santos, kind of a comical figure, uh, but he just turns into to, to prime Messi here. Um, the goal and the assist here, and he could have had more. He was absolutely all over the pitch, terrorizing Afinha. Um, looked like a totally different player. And I, I really don't have any comments other than uh shout out to Martin, of course, but also uh he he tweeted something that just Julio was just on his game. And I of course retweeted it, but yeah, just shocking to see. And Enric, were you shocked to see this result? And also the author, the illustrator, the the artist of uh of Johan Julio behind it all. Definitely I was shocked for the way that Liga de Quito got to the scoreline first and not only first they did it in two minutes after some defensive mistakes from Sao Paulo and who's there to do it as you said Julio the former Santos player scoring against a former rival so it's it was cool to see but on the other side Sao Paulo despite being 2-0 down they got a last goal in the 80th by Lucas Mora and I think that goal is going to be decisive for their chances of qualifying because when they play in the Morumbi, Sao Paulo has done this before. They re- reversed the scoreline against Corinthians in Copa do Brazil, and they did it in Sudamericana uh, against San Lorenzo after they had originally lost 1-0 in Argentina. So I expect nothing less. I think that that last goal helped Sao Paulo a lot, and you even saw many players protecting the ball and not letting LDU attack in the last minutes because they're satisfied with that result. So again, I expect Sao Paulo to comfortably win. Maybe even a goal would send the game in penalty kicks, but yeah, Sao Paulo's capable of beating LDU 2 or 3 now and reaching the semifinals of this competition. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough, but I kind of agree. I think they'll they'll win, and that goal, like you said, is going to be so decisive. Just, just mentally, um, just to have you have to be on the board and have that gap only be one so much better uh, than two, obviously. Um, very nice goal as well from Lucas, uh, from Luciano. So it's nice to see that partnership uh, taking taking form. But but yeah, this was absolutely the Johan Julio show. Um, <clears throat> looking at his stats, you know, he's not exactly tearing it up in, in Ecuador. Five goals, two assists this year, and twenty some appearances. Um, but this game was just, just a, an absolute masterclass. And you got to give credit where credit's due. He, uh, he is a player that kind of stumped me. I always said on Twitter that I thought he'd come good someday for Santos, and he never did. And I looked like a total moron and idiot. Uh, but, uh, but he's come back to Ecuador, and 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 now he's, uh, he's, he's looking very good, especially in this fixture. So. Uh, we'll have to, um, of course, keep an eye on that. Tons of great second legs. Uh, Brazilian teams hosting teams that uh, they're down to. Uh, other teams hosting Brazilian teams that they are down to. So it's all set. I hope we get at least a few comebacks. Um, and I, of course, hope that uh, the Brazilian sides do as well as possible. But, uh, Enric, uh, with that being said, let's wrap it up. We've got some upcoming matches uh, for the match week 21 in the Brasilia de Rao. Um, what stands out to you here? Uh, tons of really interesting uh, matchups here, but maybe not one big match that 
is going to be, you know, uh, the headliner. What's even more interesting is the fact that we already know what happened in these matches in the last rounds. We, of course, remember the Flamengo Internacional game, which Internacional won 2-1 to one in the last dying minutes, two goals scored by Mauricio. So, yeah, this is going to be a cool game. Another one is Atletico Mineiro Santos. Previous round, it ended 0-0 in Villa Belmiro. Hopefully, we do the same thing here, getting a point out of this match. But um, even if we lose, again, Atletico Mineiro, despite how bad they have been in competitions, they're a team that they can win at home any day. And then we got Fluminense, Atletico Paranaense. Uh, Palmeiras Vasco da Gama, I believe this game ended... 2-2 after Palmeiras came back from a two-goal deficit. Yep, goal scored by Pedro Raul, Gabriel Peck. Names that we might have forgotten about, but yeah, this is going to be a crazy clash. Cruzeiro playing against Grêmio. They took points off Grêmio in the last in their first round, and yeah, I think Grêmio is going to look for revenge, especially of what happened as well in the Copa do Brasil between these two teams. So again, it's always cool to see. Uh, we got Corinthians against Goiás as well. Corinthians who lost in the first round to this game to this opponent. They're gonna expect accept. They're gonna look forward to reversing the score and getting the three points here. So, do you have any games in mind, Peter? Yeah, I mean the 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 games you mentioned, of course. Uh, who could forget Mauricio's uh, heroic effort uh, against Flamengo last time? They'll play host uh, Flamengo. That is this time. Uh, Atletico versus Fluminense, of course, I think you could argue is probably the biggest fixture of the round. Uh, but Gremio also kind of stuttering here. They got to get a win and Cruzeiro desperate for a win as well. So just tons of tons of really interesting fixtures. And uh, hopefully we get some upsets. Hopefully Santos win. Uh, and uh, it, yeah, it's 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 just great to see that, um, uh, you know, tons of tons of um Tons of action that that and tons of stuff up for grabs, uh, despite Botafogo kind of walking away with it. Um, so yeah, so that is uh next week or this coming week, um, weekend Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana. Uh, of course, the second legs will be played midweek as well. Um, and with that, let's close down the episode once again. One year of the smoking snake. So much fun, Enric. Uh, it's been great. Um, so I just want to thank all the listeners, all the guests. Uh, and especially if you're hearing this now, that means you've made it to the end of the episode. Really, really appreciate that. Um, I'm sometimes scared to look at our listener retention stats. Um, but uh, really appreciate anyone who clicks on this episode at all, uh, but especially those who who make it this far. So I just want to reiterate uh, our, our both of our gratitude um and uh let's uh let's keep this thing rolling so thanks everyone for listening and have a great night